0: at eriksoncovenant.ca Let's get started.
1: So we're continuing our series through the um, Gospel of Luke even though Tom's not here. So I'm trying to fill in a little bit for those who don't know me. I'm Peter Hambry and I'm one of the members here at Erickson. So we're in the process of trying to learn from Jesus's his apprentices. And uh, last week, we finished chapter 6 of the Gospel of Luke, uh, where for several weeks we sat at the feet of Jesus as he taught us. And now as we come to chapter 7 of Luke, we find ourselves in a narrative where instead of determining how we should best conform to our master's teaching, we uh, find ourselves in a narrative where we instead watch and learn as Jesus interacts with the um, people and the events around him. So, Luke chapter 7, and I'll read the first 10 verses where Jesus interacts with a Roman soldier. Here's the passage. When Luke had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum, and there a centurion's servant He wasn't far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him to say lord don't trouble yourself for i do not deserve to have you come under my roof that is why i didn't even consider it consider myself worthy to come to you but say the word and my servant will be healed for i myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me i tell this one go And he goes, and uh, that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, he followed him. Sorry, turning to the crowd who was following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Let's just pray, shall we? Lord God, we ask you to uh, open our eyes to see what was going on here, there. Open our ears to hear your word to us today so that we may follow you and honor you the way we should. In Jesus' name. Amen. So it's interesting that uh, Luke, uh, he gave us two stories about um, believing centurions. There's this one that we just read about. Then in the Book of Acts, he describes another centurion whom Jesus went who, uh, Jesus went to visit, who uh, Peter went to visit in response to a vision, and who is one of the first of the Gentiles to respond to the gospel, and to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. Um, Anyway, returning to this passage, this passage is a story about three people. Uh, Jesus, a centurion, and the centurion's servant. And the centurion's servant who was healed, but despite he's the one who was healed, he really doesn't figure much in the story. Um... So we're left with Jesus and the centurion. The power and authority of Jesus to heal, that's one aspect of the story. And intertwined with that is the unusual faith that was displayed by this centurion. So the centurion, I don't know if you noticed it, but he's, he was an unusual man in uh, several ways. Not just his faith. But these different aspects of his character all laid the groundwork for his faith. He was obviously open to spiritual things because he was a Roman, probably a Roman, certainly in the Roman army, but he didn't treat the occupied people and their religion with disdain. Uh, Instead, he seemed to look with admiration, admiration, for the way, not only the way in which they were devoted to their God, but he'd become positive enough about the Jews and their religion to actually fund the building of a synagogue, Uh, which must have been a rather unusual thing for a centurion to do. Uh, And this positive attitude seems to have gone far enough to include faith in the God of the Jews, Enough that when he heard stories of Jesus and his healing miracles, he thought it a real possibility that Jesus could heal his servants. How had this come about? Perhaps his sick servant was a Jew and had told him about Jesus, and had influenced him. Certainly, he was would have been in communication with the elders of the synagogue, and perhaps it was from them that he heard. Um, But then probably everyone in the town was talking about Jesus, so he could have heard from anywhere. Uh, There's no indication, though, that he'd ever formally adopted the Jewish religion. It was like an interest he had, uh, which seemed to have gone fairly deep. He was also a wise man. Uh, Do you find it interesting, as I do, that uh, when he wanted to act, to get his servant healed. Um, he didn't just go to Jesus with a company of his soldiers and say, hey, uh, hey, Jesus, come and heal my servant. You know, he didn't use his power, the Roman power. He didn't force the situation. Instead, he sent some elders of the Jews to plead for him, elders who obviously respected him, Elders who were indebted to him for building the synagogue and judging from the way they talked to Jesus, also evidently themselves believed in Jesus' ability to heal. So wisdom, he was a wise man. He showed that wisdom again because he sent another delegation to meet with Jesus, if you remember from when I was reading. And this time... The purpose was to tell Jesus not to come to his house after all. He was probably thinking that, yes, Jews don't normally associate with Gentiles. Uh, in the other story about a centurion that I told you about in the book of Acts, there the apostle Peter made it clear when he was sent by God to this house that he doesn't normally associate with Gentiles, because Jews don't. But on this occasion, God had made it clear to him he should go. Anyway, the point is, he was asking Jesus to do something uncultural. And uh, so he was wise there. He was also humble. Um, He was, after all, the uh, powerful, very obvious token of the power of the Roman people there in Caesarea, you know, with a large group of soldiers behind him. Uh, Despite despite that, he said, the second time he sent people to to talk to Jesus, he said, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Uh, And that was not actually true because the elders... Um, that he sent to Jesus were quite clear in telling Jesus that they thought that the centurion was worthy of Jesus listening to him and of Jesus doing something for him and even for, to heal his servant. He was also bold, this centurion, um, in the exercise of his faith. Yes, Jesus to do things that no one else had asked Jesus to do. Others probably didn't even dare to do it, wouldn't even think of asking Jesus to heal someone at a distance. But he did it. And the result is that Jesus was amazed at what he saw in the centurion. Uh, You know, in the Gospels twice, it's recorded that Jesus was amazed with this same word. And the first time was when he went to Nazareth, his hometown. And it was the first time after he'd got his disciples with him. And uh, it says that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Because the people in his hometown had so little faith that he couldn't do any healings there. No miracles there. That was the first time this word is used of Jesus. Here's the second time. But this time he's amazed because of the extent of someone's faith. An expression of faith that was greater than he'd seen in any of the people of God among the Israelites. Uh, And in response, Jesus performed an astounding miracle. You know, when the centurion sent those elders to, uh, to request or to tell Jesus not to bother coming to his house, Um, He said, just say the word. That's all you have to do. I believe that. We're not sure that Jesus even said the word. (laughs) But the people went back and the man was healed. So maybe going a little beyond what even the centurion expected. But anyway, the man was, this centurion was a man of exceptional character. But, it's his faith that this passage deals with especially, so let's take a more detailed look at the Centurion's faith to see what we can learn. It was very unusual faith. So he'd somehow come to know about and value the Jews and their religion. Now he was because he was Centurion, my guess is... He wasn't originally from Capernaum. He'd probably been sent from somewhere else in the empire. But he'd come to know about the Jews, their religion, to such an extent that he built a synagogue. That's a place of meeting, a place of prayer for the Jews. Has anyone visited Capernaum in Israel? Anyone here? Ah, My wife has, yes. <laughs> a couple more. Maybe. Uh, It's amazing, but we went to... We visited on our 25th wedding anniversary. Anyway, we went to Capernaum. That's one of the places we went. And there was the remains, excavations of an old synagogue there from around the 4th century. Um, But when they excavated this old synagogue, they found, under the foundations, they found the foundations of another synagogue that was probably built somewhere around the first century. So, you wonder, you know, is that the place that this centurion built? It was rather interesting to actually see stones in place in the ground there and think, yeah, here's something, that this might be the place that's spoken of in, in the gospel. It was a new synagogue at this time, obviously. Anyway, that was a side... Anyway, (laughs) he'd uh, so because of what he'd done then for the Jews, I mean he was highly enough regarded by the Jews themselves that he could actually call on the elders the way he called called in his own soldiers to do something except this time it was, they were doing it of their own will. And they obviously regarded him very highly because of the way they talked to him about Jesus. So you know, you wonder where this man was at in his faith at this point. He probably, my guess is, if he'd actually built a synagogue like this, he'd likely come to a belief in the creator God. Um, But there's no indication that he worshipped God, so he hadn't become a formal proselyte of the Jewish religion but my guess is he was probably believing. But on the basis of that, he'd funded this synagogue. But then the centurion faced a crisis, right? And crises often provide opportunities for us to grow in faith. We're told that a highly valued servant was on his deathbed. Now, I think you need to understand this highly valued servant, what it meant here. Because a highly valued servant, you could think, well, he was just a really strong guy or a really, um, you know, could be relied on for a lot of things. Um, A really valuable person for his work, you know. Took a lot of work off the centurion. Uh, But the word actually means sort of honored or esteemed. In other words, when we're told that this centurion had a high... um, highly esteemed, highly valued servants, it it meant a bit more than that. It meant that the centurion esteemed him as a person, honored him. So it was that kind of person. A very unusual kind of servant to have that the centurion really esteemed as a man. And this was the man who was dying. And he had a crisis in his household here. That he was facing. And at this point, he heard about Jesus and his miracles. And it doesn't matter where he heard it, he heard it. It was probably common knowledge. Anyway, whatever how it happened, he believed it enough to be able to ask, to actually ask the Jewish elders to go out on a limb for him and to ask Jesus to come and heal his dying servant. You know, our actions reveal what we truly believe, don't they? But the centurion went even a step further with his faith. He realized that he was asking asking Jesus to do more than just heal his servants. He was asking him to break culture, and enter a non jewish show. He was asking to do him to do something for the occupying army. And on top of that, he was in any case feeling unworthy to have Jesus come anyway. It seems that he really was beginning to understand that Jesus was very much more than just a Jewish radical or holy man. And then it seems like, as you look at this story, it seems like his intellect kicked him. Because if Jesus was doing what he had heard he was doing in the name of God, then if God were real, and it seems the centurion already thought that, then he must be doing it by the authority of the creator. Now the centurion knew the kind of power that he had by the authority of the Roman Empire. He wasn't limited to just doing the things he was able to do as an individual man based on his own muscle and his own money. All he had to say was that something should be done, and it happened, right? That was the kind of authority this man enjoyed. In his location or anywhere else that he said it should happen. And so he came to the understanding that Jesus should be able to do his miracles in other locations without actually being present. He should not be limited to what he could do as a man, but only limited by the authority of God. And that's pretty wide. God can act anywhere. So, I mean, this faith of the centurion was ramping up higher. It was going beyond what he'd seen or experienced personally, which was apparently not a lot in this case, going beyond what he had heard about Jesus from people around him. That's another level of faith. It's As he thought about the way authority worked his own occupation and must work for Jesus, then he saw new possibilities, amazing new possibilities, And in my experience and observations, any of these levels are not of faith, aren't real until we act on them. They remain only potential, right? We're told about God. And we might say we believe, but it's like a kind of potential belief. It might not be something that actually changes our attitudes much, doesn't change what we do much even though we say we believe it. Right? They remain potential until we put ourselves in a position where we depend on the truth of it. Often in a crisis then our faith crystallizes and becomes part of our experience a living faith and we're free to live within that larger faith. The centurion, he did just that. So after he'd already sent for Jesus, knowing that it would be awkward, his faith took a jump. He realized that Jesus' faith was unnecessary, probably unnecessary, and then he stepped out on the basis of that faith, and he sent a second group of people, of the second delegation to Jesus with the request that Jesus heal from a distance. That was quite a dramatic step of faith, I think. Wouldn't you say? It's, uh, it's rather unusual. And uh, can you imagine how the messengers felt? I mean, they must have felt this request was uh, totally unrealistic. They were probably think, feeling stupid at making the request of Jesus, and I suspect they were hoping that Jesus would just go to the house anyway and heal the man because they thought maybe that could happen so anyway the steps of faith that uh, the centurion made really were extraordinary in my mind Jesus said that he'd not come across any faith like it so if you're thinking uh, that this faith is way beyond what you could do then you're almost certainly correct Nevertheless, I believe we can really learn from this story because faith grows from living according to our faith by taking steps of faith, steps that are dependent for the success on the truth of what we believe. Can you imagine what the centurion's faith was like when his servant got up from his deathbed? you know, after having done what he'd done. Quite something. A few years ago, I made a chart of my Christian life. I did it when I was trying to understand what had gone wrong. Um, Not in becoming a Christian, but of a a later event. And it it showed my godliness, my spiritual vitality, which I measured in terms of, like, uh, faith and love, If there was no faith, it was zero. If there was no love, it was zero, but some mixture of the two. So the spiritual vitality against time and uh, came to a point where that crashed right down to almost zero. And uh, I realized that there were a number of factors that led to that, but one of them was that I'd stopped taking any steps of faith. So as I started to think back, let's see, when did I last really step out in faith? And I couldn't think of anyone in the last month, anywhere in the last month, the last six months, the last year. Kept going further back. And I realized, yeah, my faith, I said I believed. I thought I believed. In reality, I didn't. I was beginning to lose my faith because I wasn't acting on the faith that I had. You know, I think this centurion initially, you could say his faith was zero. He came to know the, Z, the Jews. It ramped up a bit further because he saw something that he thought, wow, there's something real here. Okay. Yeah, these are, maybe he was exposed to his Jewish scriptures. So sometime before, sometime he said he had some kind of faith in God and then he built the synagogue. So that was a step of faith. I mean he's spending a lot of money that was available for himself I don't know whether he put himself in difficulties or not but I mean it was certainly a sacrifice. I'd call that a step of faith and then he heard about Jesus while hearing about you know this healer. Anyone here heard about a healer you know (laughs) that you can go to It, it kind of you think well maybe but anyway it the centurion had a bit, bit of faith and perhaps because of his faith initial step he thought a bit more, he certainly acted on that faith however weak it was he sent someone to the Jews he sent the uh, synagogue people so step of faith then again, once he started feeling nervous about asking Jesus to come to his faith to his house he sent another delegate. he realized well if Jesus is really true if he's really the son of God, he's got the authority of God, he doesn't need to come. That's the challenge to us, eh? To use our intellect in thinking about God because that thinking about it led him to take another step of faith, of believing, yes, Jesus could do it and then he acted on it by sending the delegation to stop him. So I encourage you to think about your faith. Think about the questions you have, talk about them, because in order to our faith to be strong, we really need to have some understanding in it. That's the way it grows. Do that. Tom's always telling us, you know, to have spiritual friends that we can talk with, but it's in doing, talking about things like, like this that that's valuable. And then think about what you must do Personally in response to your faith, if it's true. You know, a step of faith won't usually be dramatic. The experience of the centurion was dramatic, but his was a very unusual faith. Uh, And it's in a situation where Jesus was letting himself be known as the son of God, so this was all playing into it there. But anyway, each little step that we take, going a little beyond what we normally do in light of our faith, is going to put us a little bit more into the hand of God. What am I talking about? I'm talking about things like um, talking about God or talking about spiritual things or talking about the gospel with friends and acquaintances. The unbelieving people around us or the unbel- or the believing people around us, it might be something like saying yes when we 're asked to do something um, that stretches us spiritually, maybe being asked to teach in a class or being asked to speak or um, Whatever else, something, take responsibility for a ministry that you you feel feel inadequate for. That's a step of faith. It might be practicing generosity when uh, meeting needs, when you feel that your own situation's a bit tenuous. But those are steps of faith. There are lots of ways we can do it. Let's just pray, shall we, for one another? Dear Lord God, we, uh, while we look at this centurion, we kind of have a hard time figuring out how this man who'd never seen Jesus could come to the kind of faith that he did. Um, an amazing story. We know that our faith doesn't really look much like his but Lord we'd like it to we'd like to glorify you and we'd like to honor you we'd like to give you the freedom to work that comes with stepping out in our own faith help us all to do that help us not to just go steadily along the same way of thinking we always have the same way of doing things we always have, always have. Lord, show us new things we can do. New things we can ask you to do. Where we we need your help. And help us to grow in our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericsoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.